Welcome back to the Project 24 YouTube podcast. Well, hey, hey, y'all ready for this? This is interesting this time. I'm actually uh, pretty sick. I got a pretty bad cold as I'm recording this. So I just popped in real quick to uh, record a uh, episode for you here. But the fun thing is we get some interesting topics to talk about today. The first having to do with how do you think about dislikes on your YouTube channel? Now, I realize this is something that probably every YouTube creator at some point decide, like has to just at the very least say, oh, I don't care about them or make some sort of decision about what you do about YouTube uh, dislikes on your videos. But there was a really interesting thread started by uh, Project 24 member Hagen. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> it's called How to Think About Dislikes? Question uh, mark. And there's some great conversation going on in there. Um, and this, so the story is they, they've been publishing a couple of videos and then they had one that for the channel totally blew up. It got a lot more than the other videos on their channel. And as a result, they started getting some dislikes on that video. And they just said, hey, it might be time to just ask community, what do you think about getting dislikes on your video? And I loved a lot of the responses here. Uh, and I just kind of wanted to quantify a few, or uh, uh, explain a few of them here and share my own thoughts on how to think about it and potentially myth bust a few things from what I've been seeing. First one, um, well, you can take the route. Uh, the first comment on here saying, I pay no attention to dislikes. Like I don't even, eh, I don't even care about dislikes. And that's actually just fine in most cases. If, especially if dislikes, this is my take on it, <clears throat> especially if dislikes uh, have a way of affecting your how you feel about your content or um, if they tend to crush you, <laughs> if you feel like, uh, oh man, that video got some dislikes or it got a lot of dislikes. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm whatever, insert whatever belief or uh, follow-up you might have about it. Then yes, I could see that being a potentially a really good option because in most cases across most uh, channel topics or video types, just ignoring dislikes isn't really going to harm you from my experience. It's really not going to affect you that much. There are some cases where a cl keeping an eye on dislikes can help you understand your audience better. And probably in a lot of cases, to a degree, you can learn things from the dislike to like ratio on your videos. And if a, a video gets a lot more dislikes than normal, it might be valuable to look at that and say, well, why is that? What about that video did people dislike more versus less? Um, now, an interesting thing here is that I have seen, and this might not be something we thought about in this thread, but I'm just going to add to this conversation here. I have seen that not all YouTube viewers view the like and dislike equally. <laughs> now, let me give you an illustration to, to explain what I mean here. Let's say there's a news video about um, a, a person going crazy and killing all the neighborhood's dogs. I, I don't mean to make this depressing or anything by any means, but let's just say that that is the story. I, I have seen audience who will dislike that video because they don't like what's being explained in the video. Like they don't, oh, I, I don't, that's sad. I don't like someone killing the, the neighborhood dogs. That's really sad. I'm going to dislike it. Versus what I would typically think, I don't like this video. 
You see the distinction here? It, it's subtle, but it's, I, I know that YouTube, they have much more data on this than I ever possibly could, but I know that they have to factor in this and that might have been one of the contributing factors to their recent decision to hide the dislike count because not only do viewers view dislikes differently like that, like I don't like the content of the video, I don't like the creator of the video, I don't like the video itself, or uh, the video, the, the content makes me sad or angry, therefore I'm going to dislike it, or I don't like how they uh, presented this, maybe the content's just fine, but I don't like how they presented it in this video. There's a huge variety of reasons for that, and likewise, there's a huge variety of reasons um, how viewers interpret likes and dislikes. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying one way or the other, but again, YouTube recently decided to hide the dislike count, and it's potentially, partially, because of this. Uh, if, if viewers go to a video and they see, oh my goodness, 40% dislikes on this, oh, this might be, and they can interpret it in any of the ways that I just listed, this might just be a bad video, and may not even realize, oh, it's, um, the, uh, it's a sad video, and it makes me sad, therefore I'm going to dislike the video. I hope you're seeing what I'm seeing there. Now, I wanted to go through a few of these other responses because I, I liked a few of them. Uh, there's another response on this thread. I like dislikes. A, it keeps me grounded and not feeling like I'm perfect. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. I think that's a great idea. And then B, all engagement is good. Yes, that is also true. And they also continued by saying, I actually get a little smile every time my dislikes reach 100. I hardly dip below 97 and 98% like-dislike ratio, so maybe that's why. <laughs> uh Another thread here, or another reply. Uh, I'm trying to find the one here. Oh, oh, and this one is kind of backed up by what I was just saying. Um, they they do a history, like debunking things in history, and they did one that happened to touch into an outside audience than what they were intending. And um, because of that, this outside audience didn't like the angle that was being taken with that video. So we got a massive, uh, a huge amount of dislikes on that, and a lot of angry comments, because for whatever reason, and it's probably the algorithm doing its thing, it said, okay, this video seems about this topic, therefore we're going to serve it up to this, uh, this different audience than what their channel lens was actually targeting, and therefore that different audience came in and essentially um, dislike, um, what do they call it? It's not an embargo. Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but they go in and they just put a bunch of negative on there because they totally disagree with it, right? And so in that case, this creator decided to just unlist the video and say, you know what, that's actually an audience I don't even want to target. Uh, and, and as a result, I'm just going to unlist it because I don't want to accidentally shift my audience, the audience profile that the algorithm has for me, to this different audience. I don't want to attract that audience because, and this is very reasonably thought through in actually, because if I if I keep that video up or I do future videos like that, then the, and if the algorithm sees activity from a certain audience, then they're more likely to show it to that audience again. And if I don't want that audience, I'm a, I'm gonna take that video down. So that's actually, it was very well thought out in my take here. Um, that's from Project 24 member, Sean Munger. Um, so, yeah, that's another reason. I guess I'm going to come back to this. Another reason that it might make sense to watch the like-to-dislike ratio on your videos. But then, again, just rounding it off here, remember that viewers have different reasons for liking or disliking. And sometimes it actually feels weird in our brains to like a video that's sad. 
or to like a video that has content that that uh, offends us or content that is um, controversial or you hate it or something like that, even though because a like on a video like that might mean, oh, does that mean I'm supporting this thing that makes me sad or, or angry? No, it may mean it, it, it's, it, we don't always think through it. I think that's what I'm saying here. It's the, the psychology of viewership is a crazy space there. And a like or a dislike is just so one-dimensional. People have, there's a lot of room for them to um, put their own uh, interpretation on it. So keep that in mind as you're looking at like and dislike ratio. And hopefully a few of the things outlined here will help you to uh, just look at, you know, understand why a video got more dislikes than normal. Uh, the other reason I will say for a higher dislike ratio, I'm realizing this is the one I, I skipped here, that perhaps we can learn a lot as if it's core audience, meaning a lot of early viewers. If you have a group of people that, let's say you have a thousand people that for sure watch every video of yours, and it's like your core super fan audience. If within the first few hours of publishing, you are getting a higher dislike ratio, I would definitely watch the comments in those cases because there's almost always a reflection in the comments of why that ratio happened, especially if it's abnormal. Almost always you'll get something in the comments, especially if it's from super fans. They'll let you know like, hey, I feel like you were off on this one or I feel like this your, your quality is usually you know, at a, a nine or a 10, but this one was like a four. I, there was just something off on this. Or did you realize that your audio cut out here, here, and here, and you didn't realize it when it exported? Like there's a lot of those types of things. Usually, it, 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 you kind of have to read the audience, read the room, right? But watch the comments to understand why that is coming through. Again, that's one of the strong things, in my opinion, of YouTube because we have such real-time feedback in the data and in the comments and the replies from our audience. So there's those things. Next one, I wanted to address uh, this question. This was, in again, in the Project 24 uh, community here. It's asked by Project 24 member in Servo. And the question is, seeing a lot of my own videos in industry audit, is my niche too small? Now, initially, they're doing an industry audit on their channel, and they're finding, as they're searching through videos, that when they search for search queries and terms, et cetera, et cetera, um, and it's for a specific an analytics software called Nime, or Kanaim, <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it has to do with automating Excel, uh, Microsoft Excel. And they're finding a lot of their own videos when they search these, even in an incognito window. Now, um, that was a little bit debunked, a little bit further down in the thread um, from some very helpful replies saying, hey, maybe you need to get incognito, maybe a separate browser, something like that, so you don't have that same data um, uh, so your videos are less likely to show up. But even after doing that, they're finding that a lot of, so I'm going to read this, but the results are all so super mini, mini, like a thousand views on a competitor's video here, 800 on another video there. I did not find any cracks, like where the views massively outpace the subs on a channel anywhere. Even by the far, the by far biggest channel in the space, the one from the software manufacturer themselves, has just 19,000 subscribers and an average 500 to 1,000 views per video. So back to this original question, is my niche too small? Yes, it is. If you are finding this, if you go through an industry audit and you listening to this um, are finding something very similar, if all the questions you're asking 
when you're searching through YouTube and you're finding these areas, you're trying to find cracks, you're just trying to understand your industry on YouTube and you're finding, indi finding indicators like what this Project 24 member is finding, then yes, that niche is too small. Um, it, it, because there's a, there's a few ways to look at this. One, actual numbers, we are just not seeing that capacity on YouTube. Um, the other is if you are looking to grow a channel and the goals you have for your channel include growing to past a certain point, then if you're seeing a hard, semi-hard capacity ceiling on that niche category on YouTube, and that is the only thing you're planning on doing on your channel, you're going to run into issues because that is it's the whole purpose of the industry audit here is understanding what is the industry on YouTube? How big can I go? How big are my competitors? It's one of the best indicators that I see on YouTube when you're doing the audit is just how big is this audience on YouTube? Because there's a certain capacity for it and the approaches your, I say competitors, but the approaches the other channels in that same niche are taking are that's, they're capturing it up to this point. That doesn't mean that you can't add additional dynamics and do your own creative way and, and outpace them. I'm not saying that at all. It's more, you're getting a gauge for the audience size on YouTube. And so if you're finding yourself in this situation, like this thread in Project 24, and you're seeing, whoa, okay, so the even the the software company itself, well, that that's a company YouTube channel. <laughs> Just gonna say, most company YouTube channels don't know how to do YouTube, so I actually don't usually look at them. Uh, unless they're just really good at it and they make entertaining content. Usually, I don't even worry about it. But competitors and or other players in the space that uh, are only getting, you know, a thousand views on a video, it's reasonable to expect that that's about your terminal velocity. That's as high as you could possibly go if you're pursuing that same audience. Because the very next step, you know that you know this well, is drafting. And that's where you're you're saying, hey, these are I'm, I'm going to pick a few channels and these are my exact audiences. This is what I'm going for. It's only reasonable to expect that type of performance on your channel. Now, put a scenario here. I'm just going to say this before we move on to just potential other angles. We could take this to expand that. But first, first of all, that doesn't necessarily mean across the board that that's a bad idea to capture that audience. Let's say, for example, this number's like a thousand views. That's I'm just going to say that's pretty low. If you have an offering, depending on the goals that you're trying to do with your, your channel, let's say you're offering, you have like an info product, your own info product, a thousand views per video. If you're not seeing much more than that um, and you're offering like an information product, it has to make sense. If the information product is high ticket enough that it's worth targeting that small of an audience, I'm just using this as a scenario, that it, that it's worth targeting that small of an audience, then that's fine. However, in most cases, with an audience that size, I would be worried about, quote-unquote, drying up the market too quickly. Uh, if the goal you have, if you're wanting to go full-time, for example, you make enough money from your channel, is that, and the audience is only that big, then I'm, I'm starting to get concerned. Now, take that and up the numbers just a bit. Let's say the highest number is 10,000 views on a video that you're seeing in your niche. Uh, it becomes a bit more wiggle room if you have your own information product or something that you're offering that does make sense to target a very niche audience and then, then you're good, right? Now, 
everything I've said thus far very much applies to the information archetype style of channel. If your channel is that, then it's very possible to make a great living off of a what most would see as a very limited audience size on YouTube. It's very possible. It's it's awesome. However, for connection style or for entertainment archetypes, both of those two, smaller audiences are usually not a good sign. Now, uh, it goes two ways here. It's usually not a good sign because with entertainment, for example, and uh, honestly, a lot for connection as well, we rely on a lot of numbers, like a lot of views, a lot of attention in order to, to make money. Typically, now there's always exceptions here, but typically that's what I'm looking at. So if I have a specific area that I'm, specific topic, and I'm really trying to target it with entertaining content in that specific, very specific topic or niche, and I'm only seeing a 1,000 to even like 10,000, I might start to get concerned in those areas, and I might want to broaden out at that point. Same with connection style. Okay, but back to this question here of, okay, if you're targeting a niche, and you're only seeing a 1,000 views on a competitor's video, maybe you know 800 here, 500 there, something like that, what do you do then? I'm going to pull it back to this example here of if you're targeting this automation software for Microsoft Excel. Now, this this back and forth in this thread was was interesting um, because the point was brought up like, look, I'm I'm in software. Another person commented, said, hey, I'm in software, and I've never heard of that program. I, I have never heard of it, which might be the issue itself, which is very true. So we have a choice at this point. If you're targeting something that you feel like a lot of people don't know about on YouTube, then we've got two options. We can either broaden and do additional topics, meaning adjacent topics or uh, verticals, if you're mapping out your uh, where your channel is on YouTube, additional verticals, that type of thing. So it could be all automation software on Excel, or it could be automation or just automation in general on Excel or automation on Google Sheets or all of those programs. If we broaden to that audience, I am certain there's a much larger audience for automation in general in those spaces. And that's, again, that we're remembering that's not even just general teaching Excel or anything like that. It's automation on Excel, right? Now, that's one option. We could broaden that way. Um, the other option is... This one is the harder one. And it's there's some overlap between these two options. But if we really want to go for this program, we have the option to educate people on it by using language that they would understand. And this was actually brought up, brought up in the thread here. So, for example, uh, if people don't know about this software, I can't remember what it's called now, Knaim, Knaim. If people don't know that name, then they're not even searching for it. Then, therefore, if you do a video how to use Kanaim, like in most cases, it's not going to get found if the audience is really small. However, if you did a video on um, the the top automation software for Excel, so you're you're taking a step back, even if your niche is still this Kanaim software, you're taking a step back and you're you're using language that people are that. Uh, People are looking for it, but they don't know that they want Knaim as a solution. I hope you're following here. So if you're doing that, if you're taking a step back with your language that you're using in title and thumbnail, then that is an opportunity to broaden the net, so to speak, and get people in that didn't even know that they wanted that software. They didn't even know it. 
But they get in, they realize, oh my gosh, this is good. Therefore, they're going to watch a lot of your, the other videos on your channel. Best scenario, in my opinion, based on the limited knowledge I have from this thread here, uh, is to do both of what I just said where possible. Because I realize we can totally own an area on YouTube. If there's very little of this Kanaim software on YouTube, you could totally own that space. Just dominate that space. But also have the benefit of maybe broadening a little bit more and exploring other automation options. Even if you say, like, yeah, this one's the best, that's just fine. You can still explore other automation options and, and teach how to do those other options. Um, there's a there's a lot of different ways we could take this. I if I were in this if I were in this um, situation and this was my goals. This is obviously this is Nate not having a conversation with this Project Twenty Four member. Now, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you don't take this as like, hey, oh Nate, this says this is exactly what I should do because you got to factor in your goals. Like, what do you want your channel to even do for you? Do you have an information product? Are you um, do you want to broaden? Like, are you fine with a smaller area? Like a lot of those types of questions I'd be asking before I would say definitely do X, Y, Z. But based off of the limited exposure I have to this, I would say a hybrid of, of both. Broaden it, take a step back, get, get broader audience. And then also, if you, if you want to own this space for this particular software, use language that people know, that, that people know they want to point out something that they didn't even know they want. That's what you're looking for. All right. I'm, uh, hopefully I didn't sound, my voice didn't sound too, too rough or scratchy. <laughs> this cold going on here. Hoping this has been uh, useful for you. As always, let me know if you have additional questions in the community. And we'll see you next time. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.